Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our annual summer series at the movies, where we explore the spiritual truth behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits. From Hamilton to Just Mercy to Ford versus Ferrari, this series has a screening movie clips while we laugh and learn together. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Liquid Church. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are wrapping up one of my favorite series of the year. It's called At the Movies. We spent the past four weeks exploring spiritual truth found in some of the biggest films in Hollywood, and I hope you've been enjoying the series as much as I have. And today we'll be wrapping up our series by looking at the movie Just Mercy. It's based on the incredible true story about Walter McMillan, who was a young man sentenced to die on death row for a murder he didn't commit, and his brilliant young lawyer named Brian Stevenson, who actually started the Equal Justice Initiative to help provide legal counsel for those who couldn't afford it. If you haven't seen the movie already, that's okay, because I want to show you the trailer to give you a taste of Just Mercy. Check this out. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited death row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me from a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, mama. But what you're doing is gonna make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you gonna fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're gonna be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quit, Miss? No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. my dad, they do nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. This was an incredibly powerful movie that I found both touching and tragic, all at the same time. The performances of guys like Michael B. Jordan, who played Brian Stevenson, was awesome. And Jamie Foxx's portrayal of Walter McMillan was moving and heartfelt. In 1987, Walter McMillan, also known as Johnny D, was unjustly accused of killing a teenage girl in Monroeville, Alabama. He was accused by a white convict who didn't know who Walter was, but was looking for a way to get out of jail, which led to Walter being unjustly tried and convicted to life in prison. 
but the judge changed it to the death penalty. You know, watching this movie, you feel heartbroken over the injustice that Walter is experiencing. In fact, the title of the movie, Just Mercy, is a reference to justice, which is broken, and mercy, which is needed. And as I watched this movie, I kept thinking about how the quest for justice and mercy was one of the heart of Jesus, was also on the heart of Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus is thrown down with a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees, and he says this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, it's great that you do all the religious disciplines, you tithe, giving 10% of your income, but don't forget the weightier, more important aspects of the law, and that is justice and mercy. Just mercy. You know, let's be honest, right now justice is a hot word right now. Our whole nation seems to be talking about justice, tweeting about justice, fighting and arguing about justice. In fact, in the last six months during this pandemic, we have seen people crying out, for racial justice. Maybe you've heard the chant that says, say their names, and we've heard the names of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and recently, Jacob Blake. And what so many people are asking for is justice, that people be treated fairly, not based on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. But as Martin Luther King Jr. has said, when there is no justice, there is no peace. But what do we mean by justice? Over the past few months, I've had conversations with so many of you in our church about justice and racism. And some of you told me that, you know, the church should stick to just preaching the gospel. We're talking too much about racism and social issues. It's creating too much division. But when I talk to some of my black and brown brothers and sisters, they struggle too. Because everywhere we're talking about it. We're talking about in government, in education, entertainment, sports, and in the church. We're talking about injustice, talking about bias talking about these evils, but the question is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change things for the better? And here's what I need to say that we all need to understand, just as we read in Matthew, is that justice matters to Jesus. And because it matters to Jesus, it should matter to us. And if you want to sum up the law of God, it's this, it's to love God and to love others, and to love others means justice. You know, Brian Stevenson was a man who took that to heart. You know, this movie is actually based on his best-selling book, Just Mercy, which I highly, highly recommend. You know, in the book, he talks about how his passion for justice was ignited. As a young law student, Brian interned at a law office down in Georgia, where he actually met the first person ever on death row, and he was shocked. He was shocked to find out that this young man was actually his age, grew up in the same neighborhood he grew up in, even went to the same kind of church that he went to. Let's check out Brian meeting this young man for the first time. <laughs> Serious. My mom made me join our church choir when I was like four. I sang lead baritone all through high school. I played piano in church growing up. AME, God is good. All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> A couple AME choir boys hanging on death row. My mom would go trip. Man, that's crazy. So what school are you going to? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm at Harvard. Seriously, you going to Harvard? That's white boy status, bro. What the hell you doing slumming it up in here for? Yeah, I'm in law school because I just want to help people. Just haven't figured out the best way to do that yet. Honestly, this internship has been the best experience so far. Working on death row has been your best experience. You need to get out more, bro. 
It's been done two hours ago. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. You're supposed to watch the clock. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 sir, calm down. He didn't do anything. You need to shut your mouth. It's okay, Brian. Don't worry about me. You just come back. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, After meeting his first death row inmate and seeing how terribly he was treated by the guards, Brian, who was this Harvard-educated law student who had prospects all over the country and some of the biggest firms, chose instead to move down to Alabama and start the Equal Justice Initiative. See, one of the things you need to know is that Brian is a follower of Christ. In fact, in one of the interviews, he talks about how his faith informs his work. He says, faith always needs to lead to action. And by doing that, it gives him hope to some of those hopeless situations that he's confronted with. Guys, there's a powerful verse that I want to look at today in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah was a prophet called to speak a word of judgment to the kingdom of Judah. Judah had been engaging in practices of injustice. They were raising the rent on poor people in the kingdom and then kicking them out and then lowering it for the rich. It wasn't racial injustice. It was economic injustice. And while all of this was going on, the rich and the powerful were still going to church. They were still singing to God. They were tithing. They were serving on church online. They were looking spiritual and religious, except in their hearts, they were a mess. And so Micah had some hard words about how their worship was worthless. And instead, God wanted something more basic. And so Micah wrote this. He has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Micah is telling the people that if they want to avoid God's judgment, they have to chase justice. That you're singing, your hands raised, that's great. But worship, true worship, is to champion justice. This little verse here has two powerful ideas that I want to unpack. And the first is actually the word justice. It's actually this really cool Hebrew word called mishpat. Go ahead and type mishpat in the chat right now. Mishpat is one of these uh, really important words in the Old Testament. It's used over 200 times because it encompasses so many things. It often means the blessed society that God is creating, where everyone is treated equally, whether they are rich or poor, educated or ignorant, single or married, no matter your race or your religion, is often translated as justice. When most of us think of justice, we think of being in court. When someone does a crime, they do the time and they get what there's due to them. But that's part of what mishpat means, but it means so much more than that. I love how Pastor Tim Keller defines mishpat. He says, mishpat then is giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. Guys, this is the biblical definition of justice. So that isn't just holding a robber accountable for his theft, but it's also making sure that the most vulnerable have their rights so they won't resort to stealing to get by. Another important word we see in this passage is the word for mercy. The Hebrew word for mercy is chesed. Go ahead and type chesed in the chat right now. If you say it out loud, make sure you spit on someone when you say chesed. The word means mercy, but again, so much more than that. It's the idea of God's unconditional grace and his unlimited compassion. This is the idea that I'm going to disadvantage myself so that someone else can flourish and someone else can prosper. It's like when if I have 20 bucks in my pocket and someone's asking me for money for food, I don't just give them 10. I give them the full 20. I disadvantage myself. I go without lunch so that you can have an abundance, so that you can have more and it overflows. 
You know, in the English language, we divide the definition of justice and mercy. We split them. Justice means you get what you deserve. And mercy means you get let off the hook from what you really deserve. But justice and mercy actually belong together. As Micah says, what does God require of you but to act justly and to love mercy? In other words, the way we walk with God is that we must do justice out of merciful love. Chesed is the motivation and mishpat is the action. Brian Stevenson is motivated by chesed, the kind of love that disadvantages himself so that others can flourish. Brian actually agrees to take on Walter's case for free. He even drives an extra two hours out of the way to meet with Walter's family. He challenges the corruption of the state. But as we'll soon see, there's a price for Brian's actions. Brian actually begins to experience the systemic harassment from the police. Check this out. the wrong officer? Step out of the vehicle. I don't understand. I wasn't speeding. I said step out of the vehicle. I'll get out of the car, but first, can you tell me why you stopped me? Get out of the car! Whoa, 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 whoa. okay, okay. Hold, hold on. Come on! Okay, okay, take it off my seatbelt. Get it, come on! Okay, I'm opening up the door. I'm stepping out. Faster, okay. come on! I have nothing in my hands. Turn around! Yes. Okay. Hands on the car! Okay. You don't have to have the gun pointed at me. I'm not a threat. Shut your mouth, boy. Hey, brother. You ought to be careful with your words when you got a gun at your head. Let's go, John. Why did you stop me? We're letting you go. You should be happy. Brian experienced bomb threats more than once, death threats, harassment. He was intimidated, humiliated in every way as people were attempting to stop him from seeking justice for his client. But Brian didn't stop, he kept going. He kept persevering even though some excruciating and painful damage that he was experiencing himself. And guys, what Brian's going through is a picture of what Jesus has done for us at the cross. Jesus was God who emptied himself, disadvantaged himself, and came into our world as a man, an innocent man, who didn't deserve to die his death on the cross. Instead, he took upon himself our punishment, our sin, our injustices, because of his love, his chesed for us. And he experienced the justice of God for our sins, justice that we deserve, that was due on us. Rather than experiencing for ourselves, we actually got to experience God's mercy. You see, God's justice and mercy intersect at the cross. This is the true foundation of all justice. God's justice was satisfied on the cross so that his mercy could be extended to you and to me. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've hurt or how you've been hurt. You're now a part of God's family and God wants to extend his mishpat, his justice to the world, his justice and his mercy together. See, the church of Jesus Christ is called to be a community of justice. 
Throughout the scriptures we read in the Old and the New Testament, God's people working towards justice by calling in men and women to repent and believe in Jesus and by also getting involved in the issues and the problems of their day. And this has not changed. God is calling you and I to be part of his community of justice. I've been inspired by many of the words of Martin Luther King Jr. And one of his quote, I actually first heard Brian Stevenson say this in a talk, it's this, it's the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice. Guys, I wanna spend the rest of our time talking together about how we can help bend that arc towards justice. I wanna look at it in three ways. And to help us remember, I wanna build all this around one word called arc, A-R-C. I appreciate Jamar Tisby for this framework and uh, to kind of move beyond just talking about things, but to actually do justice. A stands for awareness. Go ahead and type awareness in the chat right now if you're following along. It's hard to be part of the solution in fighting injustice if you aren't aware that injustice is going on. And sometimes it may not even be intentional. This summer, I was part of a small group that wanted to grow in our awareness of racial injustice. So we, as a group, went through a book called The Color of Compromise. Like, here's a picture of us zooming together every Thursday, every Thursday morning for eight weeks. In fact, it got so big, we had to break it up into three separate groups. One was led by myself, Pastor John Cords, and Pastor Jim Gotchell. And we really learned about the history of racism and inequality in our country and how sometimes the church did more harm than good. And we also talked about how we could go forward and be agents of change and transformation. And guys, can I just say, this was my highlight for the summer. You know, many of us, we didn't even know the history of racism in America or how the, the past impacted the future and got us to where we are today. We had some lively conversations and listen, we didn't always agree, but I'm really glad that we were able to meet up and have these conversations and be really honest with one another. If you want to grow in your ability to do justice, you have to grow in your awareness of the issues. If you're passionate about racial justice, I would encourage you to read The Color of Compromise or watch the videos on Amazon Prime or even check out Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy. But did you know at Liquid, one of our signature causes, clean water, is also a justice cause? Because by helping to deliver clean water, we are able to help communities all over the world become self-sufficient and rise out of poverty. In fact, you can learn more by going to liquidchurch.com slash clean water. And once the world reopens again, I'd encourage you to go on a clean water trip to, again, grow your awareness. But awareness is not enough. We also need relationships. Now, I want to be careful here when I talk about relationships, because the goal of this step isn't to have a more diverse friend group or to have black and brown people teach you or educate you about injustice or racism. As you grow in your awareness through your own study, it should push you into proximity with people who are experiencing injustice so that you can be in solidarity with them. In the movie, Brian and his team were able to get evidence that was suppressed at Walter's first trial. And as they were presenting it to the court so that Walter get a new trial, a, a just trial, they think they have a great chance. But the corrupt judge ruled saying that the evidence just wasn't enough, which left Brian, Walter, and his family feeling hopeless and broken. Guys, in this next clip, Brian and Walter are talking about what to do next. And Walter's wondering if Brian's done. Is he walking away from this whole situation? Let's watch. Walter, I'm so sorry. Dang, I got risk. I thought I was gonna be okay. Cause I got the truth. 
soon as they talk to everybody that was with me, they're going to have to let me go. And the police keep calling you a killer. Some white dude say he saw you do it. News people saying you did it. Judge and the jury saying you did it. Now you're on the road. Two, three, four years, you friends and your kids ain't calling you like they used to. After a while, you start wondering what they think about you. You start wondering what you think about you. Truth ain't so clear no more. But these last few days, I can't stop thinking my mind's up there, telling everybody how it went down. That's the first time I feel like myself since I've been locked up. First time I remember who I is. These fools gonna do what they gonna do. But if they take me to that chair tonight, Take that from us. You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. And it ain't no reason for you to say you're sorry. When Walter was first arrested, it's, it felt like his world had fallen apart. The night he was arrested and taken away from his life, the police didn't believe him. The press didn't believe him. The judge and the jury that convicted him didn't believe him. His own family started to have doubts. But Brian not only believed him, but stood with him shoulder to shoulder in some of the darkest parts of Walter's life. And he told him, I'm not going to quit. You know, many attorneys in Alabama felt like you had to build an invisible wall between them and their clients and push them away to, shield, to be a shield from them. But that's not how Brian operated. Brian's strategy wasn't to push away, but to bring closer. And Brian got this idea from Jesus himself. As a believer, he knew Jesus' words that what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Guys, Jesus is the defender of the poor and the vulnerable, and so should the church. Brian Stevenson has this incredible quote where he says this. He says, when we allow ourselves to be shielded and disconnected from those who are vulnerable and disfavored, we lose our effectiveness, by, but proximity is a pathway through which we learn the kind of things we need to know to make healthier communities. Guys, we are, are we regularly in proximity with people in need of justice, where their problems become our problems, their struggles become our struggles, and when they hurt, do we hurt? Can I ask, when your black and brown brothers and sisters are struggling with racial injustice, do you hurt with them? Or, or do you dismiss them? 
do you listen to try to understand and to empathize? Or are you trying to find an, an argument to debate back with? See, for many people, injustice isn't an idea to be debated, but an experience that's lived. And Brian Stevenson, as a young intern, when he was first learning about the criminal justice system, it broke his heart. He learned that in the United States, which makes up of 5% of the world's population, houses 25% of the world's prisoners. One in 17 white men will do time in prison, while one in three black men will also do time in prison. When Brian first started practicing law, the United States of America was the only nation in the world that would put children on death row, which he talks more about in his book. And you know, what most of it, what I do when I read these statistics is I just get overwhelmed and just want to give up. That's not what Brian did. He moved from Delaware to Alabama and he made it his life's work to plead the case of death row inmates because Brian was committed to action. Brian not only led the fight to free innocent men and women on death row, he also started an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative. Brian, who grew up in the church, has said faith has to move into action. In fact, he gets this from the book of James, which says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces what's this church? Go ahead, type this in the chat. Good deeds. Then it's dead and useless if it doesn't. Remember that justice isn't a feeling that we have. Justice is being committed to action. What could being committed to action look like for you? You know, a friend of mine was telling me that she's a teacher. And she's been noticing that girls in her class, especially girls of color, don't speak up right away when she asks a question. Usually the boys just jump in and dominate. So what she does is when she asks a question, she waits for the girls to answer first. Then the boys can bring in their answers so that it's an equal and just way of having conversations. That's what is committing to action. You know, there's a guy in our church, he's an executive at his company, and he says, you know, Nathan, most of our executives are, are white. And so what I've been doing is I've actually been championing and coaching some of our junior executives of color. I've been championing them, coming alongside of them, and trying to help them speak into the, the perspective of our cor corporation, of our, of our company, so that they can help kind of shape the direction it's in, shape the policies. That's what committing to action is. And there's a man who owns a chain of car dealerships. And you know the standard practice when you buy a car is you got to negotiate, haggle, haggle, haggle to get the best price ever. And the CEO, who's a believer, did some research and found that generally white men were more persist persistent in negotiating than women of color. And the owner realized that this time-honored practice actually took advantage of the poor and the vulnerable rather than protecting them, which was mishpat, right? So he decided to make a change. He goes, this, this wasn't a legal thing. I just wanted our company to be more just. So we stopped all negotiating. Now we have a list price, and that's the price, and that's just the, what it is. And you see, as a Christian business owner, I wanted to make sure that my practices were just and equitable. That's committing to action. See, doing justice isn't just marching on the street, holding a sign, or, or making big systemic changes in society. Those things are important. I think as Christ followers, we are called to the forefront of that, to engage in that action. But it's also in the small things we do every single day to ensure that every single man, woman, and child is able to flourish in freedom. Brian Stevenson fought for Walter McMillan. After their first defeat in court, Brian didn't stop. He made an appeal to the state Supreme Court where they would grant Walter a new trial. But the DA wanted to slow it down to launch a whole new investigation to keep Walter in jail. In this next scene, Brian is going to make a bold move. He's going to say, we need to drop all charges against Walter. 
and set him free. Let's see what happens. We're here because Mr. Stevenson has filed a motion to dismiss all charges against Mr. McMillan in this case. Now, Mr. Stevenson, since it's your motion, I'd like for you to speak to it first, and then we'll hear from the state. It's easy to see this case as one man trying to prove his innocence. But when you take a black man and you put him on death row a year before his trial, and exclude black people from serving on his jury, when you base your conviction on the coerced testimony of a white felon and ignore the testimony of two dozen law-abiding black witnesses, when any evidence proving his innocence is suppressed and anyone who tries to tell the truth is threatened, this case becomes more than the trial of just a single defendant. It becomes a test of whether we're gonna be governed by fear and by anger or by the rule of law. If the people standing in the back of this courtroom are all presumed guilty when accused, if they have to leave here and live in fear of when this very thing will happen to them, if we're just gonna accept a system that treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent, then we can't claim to be just. If we say we're committed to equal justice under law, to protecting the rights of every citizen, regardless of wealth, race, or status, then we have to end this nightmare for Walter McMillan and his family. The charges against them have been proven to be a false construction of desperate people, fueled by bigotry and bias, who ignored the truth in exchange for easy solutions, and that's not the law. That's not justice. That's not right. I ask that this case be dismissed immediately, Your Honor. Thank you. In the case of the People versus McMillan, the court hereby grants the defendant's motion. All charges against you are dismissed, Mr. McMillan. Six long years, Walter was finally a free man. Guys, did you, did you sense the joy and the relief that Walter felt, that his family felt? Because in that moment, Walter wasn't the one who was just set free. Walter's family was set free. His community was set free. And in that one moment, his dignity and his humanity was restored. Guys, that is what justice does. That is what mishpat is. You see, Brian's passion to seek justice wasn't just because he was a nice guy, but it was because justice, remember, was done at the cross. You see, it's the cross where the justice of God against evil collided with the mercy of Christ. You see, God has to punish sin. God has to punish injustice. And instead of letting us feel the fullness of his punishment land on us, it landed on Christ who disadvantaged himself so that we could have the advantages of heaven. Guys, if you know Jesus, you know that we are all created in the image of God, which means that we are worthy of human dignity. And every person should have the right to flourish. 
You see, if you love Jesus, you love justice. <laughs> the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Brian Stevenson in his 27 years as a lawyer, has helped to see over 140 innocent people on death row find freedom. He argued and won before the Supreme Court a landmark decision that would make mandatory life without parole for kids under 17 unconstitutional, and it was actually retroactively applied. So over 2,300 people nationwide who were sentenced to life while children would be free. But the quest for justice can be exhausting, difficult, and painful. Where does a guy like Brian Stevenson get that strength to keep going? I want to let Brian answer it in his own words. Check this out. And what he said to me was, Mr. Stevenson, I want to thank you for fighting for me. He said, I want to thank you for representing me. And the last thing that man said was, Mr. Stevenson, I love you for trying to save my life. He hung up the phone. They pulled him away. They strapped him to a gurney and they executed him. I hung up the phone and I put it down. I said, I can't do this anymore, it's too hard. I was just devastated. I kept thinking about how broken he was. And the question I had in my mind is, why do we wanna kill all the broken people? What is it about us in this country that when we see brokenness, we wanna crush it, we wanna throw it away, we wanna step on it. Why do we wanna kill all the broken people? And then I realized something. I realized that I represent the broken. All of my clients are broken people. They've been broken by poverty and disability and racism and neglect and all of these disorders in our society. And then I realized I work in a broken system. And that's when I began to have that conversation where you think about when you're going to do something different. And I remembered uh, what the scripture says about God's grace being sufficient and that his power is made perfect in weakness. And all of a sudden, I heard that scripture in a way I'd never heard it before. And I thought about that scripture that says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And just like that, it became clear to me why I do what I do. And I realized something I'd never realized before. And what I realized is that I don't do what I do because it's about justice. I don't do what I do because I've been trained to do it. I don't do what I do because if I don't do it, no one will. I don't do what I do because it's important. I don't do what I do because somebody has to do it. I realized that night something I'd never realized before. And what I realized is that I do what I do because I'm broken too. And the truth is, if you get proximate, if you change narratives, if you stay hopeful, if you do uncomfortable things, it will break you. But the better truth, the glorious truth, that is, is that in brokenness, we are filled with grace and mercy. There is this love that fills all of those broken spaces that strengthens us. It is in brokenness that we can find the pathway to mercy. It is in brokenness that we understand compassion. It is the broken that can teach us the way justice works. I am persuaded of some really simple things. I love what Brian Stevenson says here about our brokenness. It is only when we can acknowledge and admit our own brokenness and frailty that we can find the path towards justice. Only when we let God's grace and love fill us with his compassion can we truly love and care for the poor and the powerless and the vulnerable. Because guys, to love Jesus is to love justice. And if we love Jesus, then his spirit will make us more aware, bring us into relationships with those who are vulnerable and call us to commit to action, to bring God's justice to our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our communities, and the world around us. Remember, he has showed you Oh man, what is good? He showed you, O oh woman, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Will you pray with me? Wherever you're watching, just go ahead and hold your hands up right now. 
Father, would you just right now fill your people with the compassion and the love and the grace in our brokenness. Father, we are broken people. We live in a broken world with broken systems. But God, would you help us be agents of change because we've experienced your mercy, your just mercy at the cross. May we bring it to wherever we go. Grow our awareness, God. Help us to find proximity in relationships with people. But Father, give us the courage to commit to action, to do what is right. In your son's mighty and awesome name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.